This is Life Links with a DL link. Good afternoon. Five minutes past twelve o'clock. Another glorious Thursday, and uh, I'm Nikki Siberini. And as always, really, really happy to be with you for the next hour. This, of course, is the show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. And uh, once again, just want to express my absolute gratitude to be um, in this space um, and to be with you and to be sharing the kind of information and insights that we do. I learn so much from our guests each and every week and I hope that you do too. Incidentally if there's ever an opportunity, if you want to ever make contact during the show you can always SMS us on 34519. If you do miss any of the show, we do podcast the show. Um, It's usually the next day. You've just got to go to the DL Link website. Just go to podcasts. Look for a Thursday Thursday, um, Life Links DL Link. Click there and you'll get the latest as well as past podcasts that you can listen to. So we've been talking about a, a huge event um, that lots of people are preparing for on March the 15th. And, of course, that is the DL Link. Um, I beg your pardon, the Jerusalem Marathon. Um, and why do I say the DL Link? Because what's on my mind is that Team DL Link, I believe, so far have already got 71 people, which is fantastic because Israel is turning 71. Um, and they're always open to getting more and more people building um, Team DL Link. So they're going to be participating in the 10 kilometers the 21.1 and the 42.2 races. Um, and the registration closes on the 22nd of this month. Now, if you join the DL Link team, you're going to get a running kit. Um, you're going to get a 10% of the marathon registration fee, personalized training program, a complimentary tour of the old city and the Kotel tunnels, um, and more and more and more. And you will be running with the name of a cancer warrior on your back or someone who's passed from cancer. Um, and it is such a spiritual, enlightening, um, incredible experience that so many people share um, after the marathon. They, they come onto the show and talk about how extraordinary the experience was. So if it's something that you've been wanting to do, I strongly suggest you get ready to register ASAP, 22nd of um, this month. That's when the registration closes. So you can go to the DL Link website, dllink.co.za. Just go to events um, and go to Jerusalem Marathon 2019 sign up or you can just email them di- directly info at dllink.co.za so we're trying to prepare you mentally physically for the race um, last week we had dr cohen in the studio he was hugely inspirational this is a man who in 2005 was diagnosed with a very rare cancer 70 percent of people do not make it he did not opt for chemotherapy he decided to have surgery 16 hours he spent um, um, having surgery and then he turned his life around he changed his eating, he changed his exercise, he went for intensive psychotherapy and as I kept saying, 2019 is entering an Iron Man and I had so many people come up to me and say, you know, I was really, really inspired by this man. So we thought we'd continue on the vein of mastering yourself. Waking up and going, let me be aware of what I'm eating. Um, let me look at the foods that um, are high risk, do have a high cancer risk. If I am in treatment, let me look at the food that I should be eating. 
how I should be exercising. So we decided, you know, we, we've, we've been looking at exercising and how much you should be doing. We thought we'd look at after you've done the marathon, after you've been training, um, a, a new aspect of training and that's called recovery. How much time do you spend recovering every time you go out and train? It's as important as the training is or so I've learned. I mean, I never knew. For me, a, a warm down takes two minutes and I'm on my merry way. So I don't have the information for you. I've got the expert in the field who is going to be sharing her knowledge with you. Um, she is the strategic marketing and relationship manager at the Sports Science Institute of South Africa and she herself has run well over 100 marathons. She's got 10 comrades under her belt, a full Ironman um, and 16 two oceans. She is incredible. She is going to be talking about recovering after exercise. I'm talking about Kathleen McQuaid. She'll be joining us just on after the break, so don't you go anywhere. This is Life Links with a DL Link. And welcome back. Um, so I introduced our next guest just before the break, and she has so much knowledge. But today we're going to be talking about this recovering after exercise. I'd like to welcome Kathy McQuaid. Kathy, thanks for waiting for us, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, it's great to have you on the show, Kathy. And wow, I mean, it's all I can say, reading out how many marathons and things that you've <laughs> participated in. So, I mean, you you know what it is to push yourself. You know what it is to prepare for a marathon um, and really yes. push your body hard. But today we're yes. going to be focusing on recovering after exercise. And I love that we're talking about it because it really is something that very little people consider. Yet it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's very underrated. Um, and in fact, even from a scientific point of view, perhaps there hasn't been as much research on it as there should have been. Um, but for your body to recover from exercise, which, which is a stress in itself, um, it has to have that, that time to, to, um, refuel the, the muscles, you know, from the fuel that's used during the exercise. And then also to repair the muscle damage that happens. Um, when exercising, mm -hmm. and then thirdly, the byproducts of the exercise which need to be removed from the bloodstream um, so that you can exercise optimally. So it's critical, it's a critical aspect of training actually. So, so when we talk about recovery, are we talking about recovery as in don't exercise for a few days or is recovery something that you do when you're finished exercising? Yes, I think it's, I think it's important to, to look at both aspects. Um, so obviously when you, when you finish your exercise, um, you might do a, a bit of a cool down stretch, etc. Um, but really recovery is talking about the time between your last exercise session and the following one. And it can be completely passive where you don't do anything or it can be active recovery. So you'll see, for example, some of these sort of highly trained top athletes in between sessions, they might do a little bit of cost training. It might be a bit of yoga or Pilates or something um, which is almost like a recovery exercise rather than the high-intensity training that they'd be doing on the um, active days. 
So if you're preparing for a marathon, so for those, for those people who are preparing for the Jerusalem Marathon, and let's say they're training three um, times a week, three to four times a week, um, should, so, so you're saying that you can actively do something in between a stretching class, which is good. It's, it's a good part of, of the recovery. Yes. Um, or you so, can, or you can stop and have a complete break, which is more beneficial. Yes, I think I think the reality is that recovery is highly individual. It's almost, okay. it's almost a bit like nutrition, okay. where how quickly you recover, and you know, one's got to consider the other stresses in your life, um, whether what is your work environment like, your family life. So, how much recovery, how much recovery you need in the nature of the recovery, um, is fairly variable, um, and also one's body adapts to to the ex- exercise stress. So as, as a new uh, novice to exercise or as, you know, first time you're doing your marathon, you'll probably need a lot more recovery than someone who's a seasoned runner and, and has done multiple marathons. So okay. how much recovery is needed and what type of recovery will depend on all those individual factors. Um, okay. And but certainly someone who's perhaps training for their first marathon, let's say they're running four to five days a week, um, you know, perhaps on the, the one day of recovery, they might add in a swim. Um, but on the second day, they might want to just rest completely. And, and this is the FIT principle, the F-I-T-T. Is that, is that yes. what you're following? Though? So that is the frequency, the intensity, time or duration and type of exercise. Exactly. Okay. What, what I do want to add in is, um, obviously, if you're training for a marathon, um, it's not just the physical running that you need to do. One should be doing some strength training as well to make sure that all your muscles are equipped to withstand the load that you're presenting to them. And also just things like your core stability. Um, If you don't have a strong strong core muscles and a strong core, um, your back is going to take a lot more strain when you're exercising. So, um, you know, and whether one was doing Pilates uh, once or twice a week, that could also be seen as, um, it, it wouldn't really be recovery. It's part of training, uh, but it needs to be encompassed um, within the program. And then uh, that sort of strength training would also mean that you had a, a better equipped body that you'd be able to recover quicker from the um, or quickly from the running. Let's just break that down a little bit, um, Kathy. So you spoke about core training. I can understand and the strength. Are you talking about muscles? Are you talking about going to the gym and working with with weights? Um, the strength training can, in fact, be done using your own body weight. Right. And um, it could be done in a Pilates class. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is that you want to make sure that you've got very strong core muscles. And then also, most of us uh, don't have perfect biomechanics. So, for example, um, it might be that my hamstrings are not so strong and my quadriceps, the, the front, the thigh muscles, are much stronger. And I need to work a little bit on my hamstrings, okay. or it might be that um, you know my my calf muscles are a bit shortened, and I need to work on strengthening them. Mm-hmm. So it really is an individual uh, sort of uh, process you need to go need to go through, and that's we often seeing a biokineticist would be helpful. That mm-hmm. person who's actually specialised to look at your body biomechanics and be able to give you advice 
on what uh, what strengthening you particularly need to do to make mm. you strong enough to run. Yeah, it makes me think about what uh, Dr. Ivan Cohn, who is the founder, who is the founder of uh, Run Walk for Life, said last week about the difference between the carriage and the the engine. Um, so you're talking about yes. getting that carriage uh, prepared, and I think that what what we need to highlight is that you know we can all run, we can all put on running shoes and get on the street and run, but if we want yes. to have a sustained future um, and be able to have our carriage support the engine, we may need to go to some experts in the beginning who just guide us and, and tell us what we should be doing to strengthen um, ourselves exactly. to support that. Okay, I think it's Absolutely. quite important. Well, what are cold water immersions? I mean, I'm shaking just thinking about it. Sorry, can you make cold, cold, again? Yes, cold, cold, no problem. What are cold water immersions? Immersions. Yes, now that's, <laughs> that's, that's very popular, especially if you look at the, the teams and rugby teams and, you know, the, the cold water immersion has certainly become uh, very topical. Uh-huh. The research is quite um, variable on the results, but what, what they're proposing is that what's probably best after quite a hard workout, so let's say you run a marathon, if you try and get into cold water, but just stay in for, for you know, say three to four minutes, out for a minute, in again for a couple of minutes, and perhaps do that about three to four times. Sure, that seems to be the most beneficial. Um, and it's always—it's not always possible. Certainly, I've run so many marathons too. You know, you can't find an ice bath to jump into that, but there might well be a pool or the sea nearby. So the water might not be highly tall, but it's cold enough to basically what you want to do is to mitigate the inflammatory response um, of exercise. Okay. So. The jury's out, but I think that uh, a, a couple of dips in cold water for three to four minutes after a long endurance event is probably going to help you. Fantastic. So for our people who are going, because we've run out of time, unfortunately, but for the people who are going to be going for the Jerusalem Marathon, we're looking at um, recovery. We're looking at in between the intensive running, having other kind of exercise that can support the body. Um, and then on the day afterwards, looking at stretching and maybe even, as you say, this cold water immersion, which helps with the body recovering um, with, the, yes. with the inflammation. Fantastic. Kathy, yes. is there anything else that jumps out that I haven't covered that we've, we've got a couple of yeah, seconds think, to talk about? I think one highly underrated aspect of recovery is sleep. Sleep, <laughs> and, I love uh, it, yes. Yes, in our sort of 24-7, um, you know, uh, accessibility, we often don't, we cut down on the sleep that we need and that's sure. one of the most important ways of allowing our body to recover and that's Quite a simple thing to agree. Mm, I think it's a great point. I think it's a fantastic point. Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing mm. your expertise with our audience. Um, for those who are taking part in the Jerusalem Marathon or doing their own marathons, I think you've given us um, lots of food for thought. So we appreciate it. Mm, thank you very much. And good luck to all the listeners with their running. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Take care. And I'm sure we'll chat again thank soon. Thank you. Um, that was uh, Kathy McQuaid, Strategic Marketing and Relationship Manager at the Sports Science Institute of South Africa. And she herself is uh, an athlete. I mean, you, you heard how many marathons she's taken part in. So really something to consider, even if you're not, even if you're just going to gym and you're not running in a marathon, it, it's this recovery after exercise, which is very important a very important process. We're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to be looking at nutrition. And Megan Pence-Klutz will be joining us as will Erin Drayton. So please don't go anywhere. This is Lifelinks with a DL link.
So, with great exercise comes great food. So, what should we be eating? And not just when we're exercising. What what should we be eating to keep ourselves healthy? What should we be eating to avoid getting sick? Well, so many questions around that. Around that. And incidentally, if you'd like to ask our experts while I have them on the show, you can SMS us on 34519. So, I have a Megan Pensklatz, who's the consulting dietitian for Cancer, and I have Erin Drayton, who's public relations for um, Be Well Foods, um, on the line. Uh, ladies, welcome, and, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Is that is that Megan or is that Erin? It's Megan speaking. Hello, Megan. And do we have Erin as well? We don't have Erin. No, we don't have Erin. Okay, so Megan, we're gonna we're gonna chat with you for 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 now. Um, no I, I hope I I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Megan Pence Clates. Clates. I'm sorry, Clates. <laughs> I mean, how could I? Clates, <laughs> say no more. Say no more, Megan. No so I, I want to talk about, um, I mean, you being the consulting dietitian for cancer. Um, and I know that there is this uh, new Be Well, this, it's called the Smart Choice Cookbook, uh, by cancer and Be Well. Um, and, and talking about the kind of food that we should and shouldn't be eating. Um, tell me, Megan, when, when you look at that, and there's so many, and I, I always bring this in when we talk about food, there's so many different schools of thought in terms of carbs, in terms of sugar, in terms of high grain and raw food and whatnot. Where do you stand in terms of food, nutrition, and cancer? No, no, no. So so just to, to um, confirm that you're asking my opinion on uh, basically looking at what is it about cancer and food at the moment in terms of everything that's being said. Absolutely. Well, yeah. So what is very important is you're quite right. There's a lot being said, but I think it's always good to come back to what we call evidence-based. In other words, where we know that there's been enough research, good quality research to prove that there is a link or not. Okay. And so that's what we've based this book on as well, is I've actually looked at foods that have been shown to have a link to helping reduce the risk of cancer. So it's the ingredients that go into these uh, recipes that have been finely picked. And of course, you know, being uh, looking at um, our South African population, I've made sure that they're available and also taken into consideration not only that, but that they're easily accessible for us and that they're not expensive. You know, that you've got different options, different choices, and looking at everyone's pocket at the same time. So it's something that everyone can, can basically look at as an option to help to reduce their risk for cancer and also enjoyable recipes, you know, quick, easy, enjoyable recipes. So let's just talk about some of those ingredients that go in that, that maybe you can just speak to now on the show that you would add because we're going to talk about the cookbook. But what stands out as, as being something that does help reduce the risk of cancer? Sure. So, so let's, because it is a, a smart choice cookbook and we have done it in collaboration, you know, with Canola, we didn't take this lightly. We, we actually really do, um, the, the, the uh, Basically, looking at canola oil or canola seed oil is a very important point because it's, it's high in omega-3. And it's the omega-3 that is in the um, canola seed oil that is of benefit because it helps to reduce the incidence of inflammation and it's linked to cancer. Then some of the other foods include things like, you know, just our egg yolks that we add in or the actual eggs itself contains vitamin D and that's linked to certain cancers. 
Um, it's a plant-based book, so lots of fruit and vegetables and whole grains and um, legumes, etc. And they are rich in dietary fiber. So these are all nutrients that are linked to helping reduce the risk. Then we've got something like avocado, where we've got our monounsaturated fats, so those are in the recipes as well. And then particularly when we're looking at all our different plant um, foods, the nutrients in the plant foods are, are various, and we call those plant nutrients phytonutrients. Now, some of them include things like our flavonoids that we find in something like spinach. Then we've got things like polyphenols, which we'll find in stuff like uh, dates or foods like dates and quinoa. And, of course, then looking at our different berries, you know, from cranberries all the, through, the way through to something like blueberries, we've got um, a, a nutrient that's called a plant nutrient that's anthocyanine, and that helps to reduce the risk. And then, of course, something like tofu, which, um, you know, comes from us, you know, a derivative of our soya, and that's got our isoflavins, which are all actually evidence-based um, nutrients. In other words, they have been shown to reduce the risk. And then, of course, we look at our ones that were more well-known to many of us, something like vitamin C and vitamin E and selenium. Um, and then let's not forget, we also look at our legumes, like our beans and our chickpeas and our lentils, and they contain a nutrient called inositol hexophosphate. So they're very long nutrient. It's basically just a cancer-finding compound. And so all of these have been added in to then put together the book that helps to bring you nutritious, easy-to-produce recipes that help to reduce your risk of cancer. And this, of course, is the Smart Choice Cookbook, and it's downloadable, am I correct? Absolutely, and it's free. So anyone can have access to this delicious cookbook. Yes, so all you do is you go onto the web, and yeah. you can go onto www.bewell, but it's just the letter B, so it's bewellfood.oneword. .co.za, and then you will see that there's a uh, basically an icon. You click on it. It says cookbook. It will open up that tab, and then you will have access to download the book for free. Mm, fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, you, you started off by saying that it's a plant-based book, um, and there's been a lot of discussion around plant-based diets being beneficial in the fight against cancer. So what's your thought on this in particular, and, and how does this impact a meat-loving nation like South Africa? Okay, so, so what, I, what I heard you say is the question regarding South Africans eating not if South Africans loving meat and that and that everyone's talking about a plant based um diet and you said that this is a plant based book. Absolutely. So Nikki, what do you think so that you quite correctly so we are a are a nation that eats a, a lot of meat and our intake is is um exceptionally high for most of us. And in actual fact um the plants actually have protective compounds, which we don't find in the meat. But not only that, you know, meat intake has been linked, especially excessive meat intake, to increasing the risk for cancer. So that's on the flip side. And then, of course, how we also uh, prepare our meat. Many of us will use, um, you know, methods that contain a lot of oil in cooking, as well as um, a brying of our meat, our bry flakes particularly. Those methods have been shown also to increase the risk for cancer. So we need to move away and put it in its rightful place in that we need to reduce the amount 
of time that we're having these types of foods as well as our quantity if we are to look at long-term health. Sure. So the quantity and the frequency. That's right, yes. I, and I, of course, I, yes, yes mm. please, please expand on that, Megan. It, it makes me a little bit nervous when you talk about how we're preparing the food. I mean, I think about if you, if you're saying excessive oils, uh, you know, my mind goes to cholesterol or my mind goes to that, that, that it can be dangerous in that area. How, how does the cooking method impact, um, cancer, your, your, your risk for cancer? Okay, so just to give you an idea, if you are actually brying your meat, Okay, the smoke that surrounds the meat, firstly, um, contains what we call hydrocarbons. And oh. the hydrocarbons are then obviously um, absorbed into the meat that you're busy brying on the open flame. And that immediately actually is a carcinogenic compound. Really? That increases the risk for cancer. It is very important when we are, there's two things that I can recommend. I know South Africans aren't going to stop, but please be aware of maybe, um, you know, Pre-cooking your meat so that it's actually less time on the braai itself, making sure that it doesn't burn to it, you know at all on the outside because that also increases the risk. And something to add to it is always adding um, like a salad into your braai as well as something like you know your maize meal or a, a potato dish because there has been shown those starches together with your plant-based you know salads and vegetables to help to reduce or actually dilute these hydrocarbons in our colons. So it helps to, um, pre- it's preventative of nature. Mm-hmm. But of course, if you're having low, a large quantities, you are putting yourself at risk of, you know, if you're large quantities of meat at one point. Mm-hmm. And this goes for any type of cooking. Yes. So, so just going back to those, those hydrocarbons, um, would that, does the same apply, I presume, then for smoking meat? Smoking chicken, smoking fish. Absolutely. So, so having smoked, smoked meat is, is, there's a risk. Absolutely. Gee, I mean, yes. I think, I think of smoked salmon and I would see that as a, a, a very healthy food because of the omega-6, right? It does contain omega-3, which is a benefit, but of course on the flip side, it is the smoking processes that is not that beneficial. It's quite great. Okay. And is that the omega-6 or the 3 that you get the fish oils? It's in the omega-3 that you get. The omega-3, oh, I yes. hear you. Okay, yes. which is yes. where you get the, as you said, from the canola seed as well. Absolutely. So we get it, we, we, you know, the, that's one thing that we don't always have enough of in our diet. So it is important to try and incorporate it as much as possible. So that we, by including something like your canola, you're up in your omega-3, which is preventative and protective and helps to reduce the risk for cancer. Okay. So, so let's go back. I was talking about the cooking methods and you spoke about the braai because of the hydrocarbons. Um, what about cooking um, your meats with, with, with a lot of oil? So if you're going to do like a, a stir fry where there's not a lot of time that the meat is spent on the stove, it's a much better cooking method as well as if you are going to do something like baking in the oven. But I need to be very, very um, you know, clear on the fact that it's also to do not just with the cooking method but also the fact that the volume of meat that people are eating is actually okay. high. Okay. Um, so it's a combination of the actual meat itself or the, the chicken as well as, you know, the cooking method, yes. Hmm. 
Hmm. I mean, I'm just sitting, I, I'm a vegetarian, but uh, I, I cook a lot of meat for my family. You know, they're all big meat eaters, and I think that this is it's something that I have to reconsider. I think I need to go and have a look at this uh, more plant-based <laughs> recipe book of, you know, and looking at smarter ways of preparing Food that's um, that's a lot healthier. I think we well, all have to do it right. Yes. Well, what is quite nice is we have include meat dishes in the in the book as well, and so we try to choose you know cooking methods that are better. So it's basically for everyone in South Africa to utilize the book. And then I think the important thing again is I think meat is always going to be there. So rather let's be aware of the, the portion size. And let's be aware of how, you know, how often we're eating it. Okay. Try for one day a week without any meat and rather go from a vegetarian perspective. Okay. And then for the rest of the time, just look at how you're preparing it and the actual quantity that you're consuming. Yeah, a very sensible idea. We used to focus a lot on years ago on meat-free Monday, um, that it's good yes. for the environment. And we're looking, of course, at animals. And now people are pointing to the health aspect as well. So I like Absolutely. that. So, so Megan, just a, Another thing, um, so, so if we had to just look basically at changes that you think South Africans can make um, that can really help them reduce their risk of cancer, we've, so we've, you've spoken about meat, you've spoken about the, the quantity and the quality, the way you're cooking it. What else can people listening to? I mean, people talk about sugar, for example. Is there a high risk when it comes to sugar and how, well, how should people be dealing with that? I think it's important to... to to, to notice that it's not sugar per se, but it's often got to do with the fact that people are consuming large quantities of refined, you know, processed food. Right. And if we can rather put, you know, if we are going to have something that contains sugar, it once again our quantity and our frequency is monitored. And then we need to bring in the importance of a healthy lifestyle. So if you're exercising regularly or if you're taking part in regular activity, and by regular I mean a minimum of 30 minutes five times a week, you can accumulate those 30 minutes on a daily basis. So it doesn't have to be 30 minutes all at once, but you want to aim for that as um, you know activity level uh, in, in a week. Uh, that would be a very good start. And then at the same time, I need to say this is what we've done in the recipe book, is we've, we've divided the recipe book up into a breakfast and lunch, you know, supper and snacks and treats, etc. And in each of them, you'll be pleased to know we've actually also included a vegetarian option. But I think this is where it's important to note that people are not eating regularly and the importance of also eating regular meals throughout the day and not, not eating the entire day and then having a big dinner. Uh, together with regular exercise and then bringing in the nutrients that we've brought into the cookbook, like the canola oil, which now contains the omega-3, etc., you're already doing a really good job in improving the health of yourself and your family. Hmm. Okay, I, w- I have to bring up intermittent fasting because everyone's talking about um, intermittent fasting, um, giving your body, your digestive system a break from the, the digesting the food, also from all the toxins that we process all the time. What are your thoughts on, on the intermittent fasting? If you have any, maybe you don't. 
No, no, no problem. Well, there's, there's still a lot of research out there to be done, and many of it is inconclusive at this stage. So it is a direction that many people are moving in. But at this time, they're looking at it from the point of view of things like uh, performance, and some people are looking at it in terms of um, weight, etc., weight yeah. loss. Mm-hmm. But in, at this point in time, it's more important if you moved away from having too many processed foods and actually eating regular, uh, uh, you know, a regular intake of foods that are more nutritious, whole foods with less processing than actually looking at intermittent fasting. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I believe Erin has joined us. Erin, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you, Erin? I'm well, thank you. Good. I'm sorry you've missed most of the interview, but it's lovely to have you on the show. Of course, you um, you are you do the public relations uh, for Be Well Foods. We've been talking about um, the cookbook, and Megan was just talking about how people can get their hands on it. We are going to have to start wrapping up the interview, but before we do say goodbye, Erin, perhaps you just want to very quickly for our listeners tell them why you've made this freely available to everyone, and if you can just repeat once again how people can access the book. Well, the Bebo brand is extremely passionate about encouraging South Africans to live well. We believe that everybody deserves to live well and to be well, as our name suggests. And the reason we made the book so accessible was because we wanted people to have a resource and a guideline that could help them make healthier choices in their everyday lives. So I'm sure as Megan has explained, the book is really simple. It's a great basis and a foundation for many households. And we believe that with this starting point, we can support South Africans in their endeavor to live healthier lifestyles and reduce their risk of cancer. Hmm. Carry on, sorry. Hello? Uh, carry on. I, I, had I interrupted you or had you finished? Sorry, Erin. No, no, I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erin, so if you could just r- repeat again how we can download that, that book. It's very easy. You simply need to visit the website www.bewellfood.co.za. That's just the letter B followed by the word well and then food.co.za. And then you simply click on the cookbook tab and you will find the Smart Choice Cookbook by Cancer and Be Well at the top of the page ready for you to download. Fantastic. What's your favorite uh, um, recipe in that book? Have you got a favorite? I do actually have two favorites. Yeah. So um, my favorites are, are the Power Green Smoothie Bowl. Um, I've made it many, many, many times, mm-hmm. and it seems to get better every time I make it. And then um, a favorite among my family is the uh, chicken and bean wrap. Um, I've, I've made it at home over the weekends with lunch for my family, and I have a six-year-old daughter, and she absolutely loves it. It's a great little recipe with different flavors, and um, yeah, it's just nice and easy to make. Great. I love it. I'm going to be downloading it. I like the fact that it's good, delicious food, but more importantly, we're looking at um, optimum health um, and nutrition for our family. So, Megan, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And Erin, thank you. And Megan, for sharing your expertise as well. And Erin, apologies, it was so short, but it was great having you both on the show. Do take no, thank care. Thank you so much, Nikki, for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, thank bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, so come on, guys. Download that recipe book. It's all there. You can't have the excuse. You know, I, I don't have time or I don't have access to good recipes and the good ingredients. This is about reducing your risk of cancer. Here is a book. Follow it. Delicious food, step by step. So go to www.bewellfood then it's B-W-E-L-L-F-O-O-D-S dot C-O dot Z-A. Click on the cookbook tab and you'll have access to download the book. We're going to Israel in a moment, so stay with us. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. 
And thank you so much for staying with us. My name is Nikki Seberini. This is 101.9 High FM. And, of course, you're listening to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination, and so much information about recovery um, when you're preparing for the Jerusalem Marathon, um, and, of course, this nutrition, which is fabulous. So we were talking about the marathon. We were talking about that Israel turned 71. So let's just for a moment imagine that we're in Israel. We're going to be taking part in the marathon. And um, running through the beautiful hills, the streets of Jerusalem and looking around and thinking, oh, I wonder what it's like to live in this magnificent country. Well, we've got someone on the show who's going to be sharing his experience. He's been living in Israel for two years. Um, in fact, he was we, we had him on the show last year and he took p- part in the Jerusalem Marathon with his son. So it's always great to have new people on the show um, and the same people on the show. Um, Julia, Nathan, welcome. Thank you, thank you and very much. And you're in South Africa. Yes. So you're back and forth and back and I'm forth. back and forth. I come once a month to South Africa and I really enjoy being here. It's always wonderful well, to be back. We enjoy having you back. Thank you very much. So you're a property developer. Um, you're in and out. You're running. Um, you ran last year with your son. And he, how old at the time he was, was he? was 11 at the time. 11. Just yeah. fabulous. And that, how was the experience? It was quite unbelievable. I remember saying last year it was really one of... The highlights is me being a dad and having a son that's growing up to be able to train with him. And already part of it is in the training, spending many, many hours together on the road, just chatting and getting to know different aspects of each other I when you know imagine. you get pushed to limits. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And obviously culminating in the, the race itself. I'm sure loving one another at times, hating one another. The, I mean, hating because of cursing. I mean, this hill, the hill, the hill. So are you going to be running this year, Julian, or am I putting you under... Pressure. <laughs> at, at this stage, no, <laughs> but my son is definitely going to be running. Is he? It's an experience that he really, really enjoyed. And part of the enjoyment came from actually, you know, it was more meaningful as well than just the race because he did uh, run for a warrior, which he really, really enjoyed as mm, well. It must have been incredible. It, it was, and it gave a lot of meaning to the race as well. <laughs> so you've been living in Israel for two years. How How's Israel? It's been amazing. Obviously, you know, Aliyah's not easy, not for the faint-hearted. But, uh, you know, I think it was very important that my wife and I were both on the same page. We both wanted to make Aliyah. And really, I think our key was to have our children settle and settle quickly. And that did happen very quickly. We were very lucky. Our message to our kids was very simple. You're going to a foreign country, just be happy and make friends. And they did it very quickly, which made it a lot easier for us as well. Now, I'm sure so many people start thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, Hebrew. And, and how do they make friends when they don't speak the language that well? So it's actually quite amazing to see. So firstly, I think all credit to the amazing Jewish education system that our kids received here. Mm-hmm. They were to Shiva College. It gave an amazing grounding in reading and writing Hebrew. And also gave them a confidence to, you know, stop teachers in Hebrew when they didn't understand. And that's credit to the the system here as well. So they learnt it very quickly. They hear it all day. And they fluent. Now. And they communicate with soccer balls and with sign language and they become fluent very, very quickly. <laughs> and you and your wife, how how's your Hebrew? So mine's not bad. I lived there as a kid for a while. My wife went okay. to Orpan. She okay. spent five months uh, in Orpan oh, and she can right. order coffee and get her hair done in Hebrew now. So slowly, slowly. <laughs> yeah. And and um Last year, running in Jerusalem, you know, not thinking, oh, well, I'm a tourist or I'm a guest, but like, this is my country. How was that experience? So it's amazing. I don't think it means there's any difference whether you're a tourist or you're an Israeli running through the streets of Jerusalem. It's just there's something about it that's very difficult to to explain. It was very meaningful. It was an emotional experience, particularly running through the old city. 
And uh, it was uh, something that I won't forget in a hurry. Can I ask whereabouts you live in Israel? We live in Renana. Renana. Um, we chose Renana specifically because there is an Olim community, I mean an Anglo community there. Mm-hmm. So integration into the community was very easy. And also your friends become your family. You meet people that have been in certain, in similar situations to you over the last few years and they absorb you and help you settle very quickly. So it was very happy that we chose to go there and very grateful for the community that is there that's looked after us. Hmm. So, so Julian, you've been working in the investment property business in Israel. Um, how's it going? Um, what kind of interest is there from people around the globe investing in Israel? Because for, for South Africans with the RAND, um, it's not strong at all, um, and maybe they don't have an appetite for it. Explain further. So I think one of the reasons why our absorption into Israel was so good was that I was very lucky that I met the owner of the company of Hold Real Estate just before we made Aliyah on one of his trips out to South Africa. And mm-hmm. um, this I was looking for opportunities in Israel. And I met him. He came very highly recommended with many, many investors here in South Africa. So he had a very good reputation. And we, we chatted a bit in one of our pilots, one of our pilot trips to Israel. I met the balance, you know, the rest of the team that's based in Israel. And, uh, it's, it was just an immediate fit. And I was very sure with the backup of Ari and the team there that I could succeed in helping grow the business in South Africa, um, in London and in the UK and in uh, Canada. So it's been very, very good. The, unfortunately, for various reasons in Europe with anti-Semitism, from there, there's a lot of interest in Israel. And in South Africa, for various reasons, I mean, the South African community, as we all know, is very Zionistic. People are very interested in having a little piece of Israel, owning something in Israel. So it's been a very good experience. And with the experience, with the opportunities that we offer to get investors involved in property in Israel, it's been very, very good for me, for our family, and thank God for the business. Hmm. Fantastic. Were you in property before here in South Africa? Did you know much about property then? I was an investor in property here. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew, you know, in order to invest in property in Israel, there were certain things that had to happen because right. you're such a remote from Israel. So key to these transactions are a good lawyer, which we have as part of our team, who's an ex-South African, speaks English and Hebrew, which is very important. Um, we have uh, a part of the team is a lady that organizes the customer. She's the customer liaison, organizing financing and reporting back on the financial situation of each investment. We've got project managers on the ground that go and inspect the properties because you're sitting here. You don't know what's sure. going on there in Israel. Right. And key to the, as the offering as well as property management, where at the end, when you receive your apartment, we're able to manage it for you putting in tenants, pooling the, pooling the, the rentals as an, op, as an option. And basically looking after it over the the years of the investment. Hmm, peace of mind. Sounds peace like of mind. peace of mind. Exactly let's let's take a break, Julian. We'll we'll continue with this afterward. This is Life Links with a DL link. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. And of course, that was Samson. We've had him in the studio before. He is training Team DL Link, getting ready for this incredible Jerusalem Marathon, which is taking place on March the 15th. Israel's turning 71 years old. So far, 71 people are part of Team DL Link. Um, and you too can be a part of the team. You registration does close on the 22nd of February. So make sure that you register beforehand. 
Thailand. Um, by joining the team, you get a running kit, um, which is a bag and a shirt and a windbreaker and a cap and a phone pouch and a whole lot of extras. You get 10% off the marathon registration fee, a personalized training program, complimentary tour of the old city and the Cortel tunnels, and, and so, so much more. And you get to run with this extraordinary team with the name of a warrior on your back, um, and you give strength to that warrior, and that warrior gives you strength as well. Um, so remember just to register before, go to the website www.dllink.co.za, go to events, or you can email them directly, info at dllink.co.za. In the studio, I have Julian Nathan. He's a property developer with Hold Estate. He is living in Israel. He's been there for two years. Last year, he took part uh, in the Jerusalem Marathon with his 11-year-old son. Uh, it was an extraordinary experience, Julian. We spoke to you last year about this whole Jerusalem Marathon. And and now we're just talking about what it's like to be in Israel. I mean, you're in Renana. So there are lots of South Africans in Renana, but Israel is a small place. Do you, do you tour, not tour, do you travel a lot within Israel? Because you're certainly coming back to South Africa a lot. But a lot of traveling in Israel? So it's interesting. I mean, I was actually brought up in Durban, and I don't I think I can count on both hands how many times I went to the beach living in Durban. And I think it's very similar living in Israel that you don't get to tour as much as you would like to. Remembering also that Israel's six-day week, the kids are at school for six days of the week, so there's not a lot of time to do, uh, do traveling. But we've done a little bit going up north. We've been down to Adataka once or twice, so mm-hmm. you do get around from time to time. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you said that your kids um, have made friends, they've learned the language. When you look at the Israeli children, you look at your, your children going and the integration, they're happy. Are they happy to be living in Israel? No, they've embraced Israel. They've embraced the culture. And one of the things that they've embraced incredibly well is the freedom that they have there. Yeah. So in Renana, there's a, there's a municipal law that up to, up to the age of nine, you can't cross the road. But you'll see a kid on his ninth birthday. That's what he does all day. <laughs> Cross, crosses the road. <laughs> because he can. He can. They <laughs> do. So they have that freedom. You know, the kids do walk to school and they, you know, that's, uh, they walk to school and back. Sometimes they come home to an empty home, which is not ideal, but that's what it takes to be living in Israel. So uh-huh. yes, they've been incredibly happy and we're very lucky that they settle so quickly. Mm. So let's talk about investing and, and buying a property. Um, some people are looking at maybe a holiday or maybe for a future home if they do make Aliyah in the future. What are the steps people should be taking, Julian? So step number one is to contact us, obviously. Yeah. And we'll take them through the entire process. It really, it literally can be done sitting here in Johannesburg or here in South Africa. And we'll take them through that process. Part of our offering and where we found our niche is to get South Africans involved in projects. So you buy property off plan where okay. it takes two or three years. It helps you with the funding. So you can stretch the funding out over a longer period. So that helps a lot. And also the projects that we're involved in, all money that's paid into these projects, into these properties, is you, the, the investor receives a bank guarantee. So very important that the money that you invest into these projects is secure. So that also does give investors a lot, a lot of comfort. Um, in Israel, the, the banks are, offer uh, foreign, foreigners mortgages of up to 50%. So the price of the property can be get up to 50%, which also makes it very attractive. Mm-hmm. And also wh- one of the things that we've been offering over the last couple of uh, months is property syndication, where we manage a syndicate of two or three friends, family members, 
and we establish the rules of the syndication okay. and manage it as well. So there's various ways of getting into property. It's not as exorbitant as it seems or not as intimidating as it seems because we've got feet on the ground that would manage the entire process for our investors. And um, these projects, are they all over Israel or specific areas? So, so it's, they are yours. Yeah, they're all over Israel. And really what we try and do is find the opportunities where there's going to be capital growth in the, in the investments. It's not necessarily always where you're going to live or want to live or think you might want to okay. live. Our advice to investors is look for the best investment in Israel, not too concerned about what the area is. We've got the experts on the ground. Ari's been doing it for many, many years. His dad did it before. And so they've got an amazing niche and feel for property in Israel and have been done it very, have done it very, very successfully. So, so it's, it's almost like getting your foot in, um, and, and starting exactly. with property. Ah, in so Israel. if you know, if you're going to make Aliyah, if you've got plans to make Aliyah in three years, two or three years time, don't buy where you think you're going to live now because circumstances change. Yeah. So yeah. get involved in something that you can invest in in a secure, safe, Currency, strong currency, and uh, when you decide to make aliyah, you can trade it or buy some, you know, sell some assets here and buy a home where you're going to live and you know what school your kids are going to go to, what school you want to go to. Those are the important decisions when you want to buy as a lifestyle as opposed to an investment. Fantastic. So, Julian, if people want to get hold of you, how do they do that? So they can call me. I've got a local phone number. Yes. So they can call me on 87 551 0734. Yes. Or my email address is julian at Julian, thank you so much. Great having you in the in the studio. Thank you very, very much. Not putting pressure, but come on, get ready for the Jerusalem Marathon. (laughs) Team DL Link needs you. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you um, learned much from the show. If you do want to get hold of Julian, the number again, 087-551-0734 or julian at hold.co.il. You take care. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, goodbye. This is Lifelinks with a DL Link.